again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 164th program of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization working for social change for over 25 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're talking about our formal system of government and the Australian constitution, again really, Mm -hmm. and what it means for democracy, if anything. We've heard a lot lately about the previous PM. Scott Morrison secretly appointing himself to five additional ministerial portfolios, all that without informing Parliament and us, the people, mm-hmm. in most cases. Even the ministers in charge of the portfolios he got control over weren't told. And we've seen a lot of hand-wringing from people pointing out that it defied the Westminster Conventions of Government. Conventions being the presumably accepted ways of doing things as they have been done forever before. Mm -hmm. The notion of convention links with other words like conventional and with the UK constitution being based on precedent, in essence, a very conservative concept. Mm. So talking about essence... John Hewson, former would-be Liberal PM, even accused Scott Morrison of sacrificing the essence <laughs> sorry, the essence of our style of government. That was in uh, the Saturday paper, 27th of August. So the convention of following conventions uh, in our system of government is seen as an essence, <laughs> so a bit like... The soul of government. Mm, yeah. While Scomo's secret grabs for power have mostly been found to be legal, according to our constitution, only a few forensic legal minds beg to differ. Mm. According to the Solicitor General, Scott Morrison did not bre- break any laws and was validly appointed, or should we rather say, Scomo validly appointed himself. <laughs> to the five ministerial portfolios under Section 64 of our Constitution and with the agreement of the Governor-General, who, by the way, had himself been selected by SCOMO and appointed by the Queen. Mm -hmm. So we do understand uh, if that dizzying circularity baffles your democratic minds, dear listeners. Mm -hmm. Still, the Solicitor-General found that the former PM had undermined the principles of responsible government, even while it was all legal, apparently. So those principles relate to the accountability expected of decision-makers in a system that calls itself democratic. Uh, I guess the argument is how can ministers be accountable to parliament and to the people that elected them if it's not known they are seeing and making decisions on certain ministerial portfolios. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how can ministers be responsible if they're doing it in secret? How, how can you legally undermine the principles of democracy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny. We have 
talked quite a bit about the archaic anomalies, or should we call those conventional normalities of our constitution, and how we like to pretend that our constitution doesn't make us subject to a distant monarch. So we were interested to see statements by public and legal figures in the media, especially indignant statements suggesting that Scomo's transgressions related to him breaking Westminster conventions, and therefore not what is stated in the constitution per se. This was interesting because this rather important distinction is rarely made explicit, and mm. it certainly wasn't in this case. Mm, that's right. That's the distinction between following the constitution, constitution, and following Westminster conventions, yeah. which are, are not the same thing at all. <laughs> certainly not. At the same time, we are talking a lot about the importance of our constitution for enshrining good government for the people, by and for the people. That is what when we talk about becoming a republic, as we did last week. Yeah. Or when we talk about having an Aboriginal voice to Parliament Mm -hmm. enshrined in the Constitution, we're really elevating the importance of the Constitution then. And we talk as if such a change to the Constitution is the most important thing for social justice and life conditions for Aboriginal people Mm -hmm. in, in Australia. So... Green's Senator Lydia Thorpe has certainly been questioning this as a priority and it's really interesting favouring truth-telling and a treaty first. And she, she suggests that the government implement all the recommendations of the 1991 Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody and the 1997 Bringing Them Home Inquiry into Stolen Generations and and we don't need to change any change to the constitution to do any of that. That's right. Meanwhile, we steadfastly pretend that our government closely follows the constitution anyway, mm-hmm. and that we dare not do anything that's not in it. Mm-hmm. With former MP, uh, John Prime, Minister, Prime Minister Howard's words, and I quote him, that we should not want to fix what's not broken, still ringing in our ears. Are we all somehow holding two contradictory ideas in our heads without realising it or articulating it that we closely need to adhere to the Australian constitution but that we don't really you know, do because we still do Westminster stuff? Yes. And so on one hand there's the constitution ostensibly the law of the land for our democratic national governance... Then on the other hand, we have the shadow world, which is what we are actually doing, or according to some, what we're supposed to be doing, and that's the Westminster Conventions. And and then it all blows open when someone actually uses the powers conferred by the Constitution. That's right, that's right, like, like the Governor-General Kerr sacking former Prime Minister Whitlam in 1975 because of certain decisions Whitlam had made, but in fact relying on Westminster conventions. Mm. Or now, with a power-grabbing Prime Minister secretly appointing himself... Or recent, I guess. Yeah, yeah, recent, I should say, yeah. Still not in my system. (laughs) Secretly appointing himself to various ministries with the Governor-General selected by that same PM, nodding and endorsing it on that same PM's advice. <laughs> and the, and the Governor-General not feeling that something fishy is going on here, and hence not Westminstering the idea. 
as Kerr did in 1975 with Whitlam. Mm. It's not cricket, is it? Mm. So just to repeat, in our archaic constitution, elected Scomo has the power to do what he did. Or he did have the power. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Without telling anyone. And in this case, the non-elected governor general used his assigned power in the constitution by not Westminstering Scomo's rather silly self-appointments, probably based on his personal inclinations. Yeah, I think so. As Dennis Altman suggested in a piece in Pearls and Irritations last week, and I quote, in the Clayton's monarchical system that governs Australia, the Governor-General has two roles, to symbolize the nation and to ensure the Constitution is protected. The current occupant appears to do neither, particularly successfully, mm. unquote. Altman was even wondering about the need to have a head of state at all when we turn ourselves into a republic. Yeah. Now, that's a good question, I think. It is a good question. But let's cut past this shark and talk about what it means for democracy, mm -hmm. if anything, because that's what we're interested. All of this chit-chat and commentary in the mainstream media has implied that our current constitution is there to uphold democracy and is able to uphold it, and how dare anyone do anything? That's that, right. That's <laughs> yeah, and that the constitution grants all power to the people, the demos in democracy. Yeah, and, and I guess, Jacques, we're really interested in true participatory and deliberative democracy where people really have a say in yeah. their governance. And what would it take? to deepen mm. our democracy and make it more inclusive for all, for those who have been here for tens of thousands of years, for those who brought in the Westminster system 200-something years ago mm -hmm. and its ideology, and then finally those who came here later and still hope to come here looking for a better life and often for basic survival. Yeah. And as we said last week, moving us from the monarchy to a republic should help make a difference in terms of democratizing our system from top to bottom and reverse, yeah. shouldn't it? Uh, is that a rhetorical question, Jacques? <laughs> well, yeah, it is sort of rhetorical, but it is really important, I think, because we were talking about changing the modalities on, uh, in which, uh, through which that we are being governed so mm -hmm. when we want to become a republic. And that question will be asked in a couple of years. Yeah, that's right. And, well, I guess even if the Constitution was rewritten so we weren't beholden to a distant monarchy, what would this mean for the ways power is exercised and experienced in everyday life. That's right. Is, is it more than an abstraction? So that's mm -hmm. a question. And the great US historian, the late Howard Zinn, um, he was known for telling history from the bottom up. He tells an interesting story illustrating how ridiculous it is to think that power in everyday life relates to the stipulations in a constitution. <laughs> mm. And I heard, I heard Howard Zinn talk about this on Alternative Radio, which was aired on 3CR on the 17th of August. And I do recommend catching that program. So Howard Zinn talks about the US at the time of the civil rights movement around the late 1950s and, and of course, throughout the 60s. Some black students in Atlanta wanted to distribute leaflets against racial segregation. And they asked for his legal opinion. Actually, actually, they're asking to borrow his car. <laughs> <laughs> but they also asked for his legal opinion as to whether they had a right 
to distribute these leaflets according to the US Constitution. As it happened, he said, they did have that right. But as Zinn also pointed out, that did not give them power. For example, if they were approached by a policeman with a club and a gun while they were doing it. So rights on paper, I guess the point is they're different from power in the real world. Mm. And as Zinn points out, people are not dopes and they know this and they take it into account all the time. But he's not arguing against taking action. He's, he talks about how grassroots movements for change by the people are needed to create countervailing power. And that's countervailing power that's more powerful than what is embedded in our institutions and systems mm. affecting people's everyday lives. And, right. and, and, more, and, and countervailing power that's more powerful than what's written into, in constitutions and laws, of course. Yeah. And even um, a week later in his program, 2nd of September, he finished his program talking about war with a fr- saying something like, if people want to make enough movement, they can change things. Mm. So just looking at what the constitution says can only be a very first step. Yeah, I would call it, Jacques, necessary, sorry, necessary but not sufficient. That sounds very official. <laughs> we will continue with our discussion after the break. In the meantime, we have some music. You Built a Wall by Grace Petrie. I know it's hard to keep the flame But tomorrow's ours to claim Sometimes a battle cry Sounds like a lullaby Tonight I think we need them both the same To everyone who's scared of what they see Every time they turn on their TV To everyone who's listening to me To every single kid I used to be You build a wall, we'll build a ladder You fall in leaves, dead from the branch And you'll see how much a snowflake matters When we become an avalanche You build a wall, we'll just get higher You don't learn to fight from privilege Hide in the dark and we'll light a fire You build a wall, we'll build a bridge We'll build a bridge Up in your palaces of gold Your day's already growing old For all the ways you tried To conquer and divide Your ruin will be all the lies you've told Compassion lives in every single land And we're made of something you can't understand Stronger than the weapons in your hand Bigger than the armies you command You build a wall, we'll build a ladder You fall in leaves, dead from the branch And you'll see how much A snowflake matters 
when we become an avalanche. You build a wall, or we'll just get higher. You don't learn to fight from privilege. Hide in the dark, and we'll light a fire. You build a wall, we'll build a bridge. We'll build a bridge. Digitube, people, place, language. Connecting stories, culture and language across Australia. Contribute your content in digitube.com.au. Sign up for a free account and select your options for streaming. Download and broadcast promotion. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming life at 3cr.org.au. We have been talking about our system of government again, about our constitution, the conventions set to govern the practices of our government and how all this constitutional debating may be linked to how it affects people's everyday lives. Mm -hmm. Indeed, the question needs to be asked as to how the principles and statements included in the constitution are connected to the real-life circumstances of people's daily lives and what impact they could have on citizens individually and relationally. After all, people are presumed to be governed according to those constitutional principles. And let's not forget, after all, we, the people, are democratically electing those who govern us according to our constitution. Yeah, even while that presumption's a pretty flawed shark. As mm. Howard Zinn points out, there, there's not a straight line from what is in the constitution to the power imbalances mm -hmm. people experience in their everyday lives. There's mm. definitely not a straight line. But the, of course, that doesn't mean we shouldn't fix the constitution to enshrine the power of the people. Yeah, so just some hints as to what the constitution should somehow be expected to pay attention to. Firstly, there is the capitalist economy and all the private interests of those involved in it as owners, workers, and every other group or person in between these two. Mm -hmm. Secondly, there's our involvement with other nations and global bodies and the alliances and conflicts we, as a nation, want to get involved in. And thirdly, there are the internal institutions structuring and regulating people's lives and relationships in ongoing society as we live it. Yeah, so they're the things you're saying that constitution needs mm. to take into account because they're right. structuring our lives mm -hmm. and i guess when you talk about institutions we could include in that systems of corrections mm -hmm. welfare education work health aging recreation things like that uh, the yeah. lot just like when you go to mcdonald's and want a sandwich with the lot okay <laughs> thank you <Sean. laughs> And all of those really should be able to link as directly as possible to what is said in the Constitution. To better understand this, let's have a look at where the almost identical concepts of institution and constitution derive from. Mm -hmm. They both derive from Latin, as so many of the words we use in English do. Mm -hmm. Statuary. 
Staturi means to sit, to place, to put in place. Mm -hmm. With the prefix con attached to its present participle, like in constitution, it becomes together sitting in place. Mm. Whilst with the prefix in, it becomes institution and therefore ongoingly setting into place. That means all the practices and processes which keeping it in place. Mm. So statuary and hence institution and constitution, they derive from the same root word, from which words like state, status, statistics, statute, and so on are being derived. Yeah, and statute. Yeah, as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so taken together, all these words relate to the ways in which people together intend to organize their daily lives and want to govern themselves when we're talking about state governance systems that merit the name of democracy. Mm. Demos, karatin in Greek, the people rule. The people rule. Rule. That yeah. would be and that means that they directly relate to the rights and entitlements and obligations of the peoples uh, the people and peoples and the groups forming the demos, the people together building the nation and together deciding how they want to be governed and by whom. And by whom. And I guess a, a key phrase in all that, Jacques, is state governance systems. Mm -hmm. So if we're to have a true democracy, this would have to extend way beyond what happens in Parliament. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Back to reality, therefore. All the talk about SCOMO's transgressions against Westminster conventions of government implies that our current system is a paragon of democracy yeah. that must not be tampered with. But what if this yeah. isn't so? Mm. Are the people really ruling Australia? Does everyone have more or less equal power? Do they have a fairly equal say in how things are done? How do they get to have this say? Mm. How don't they get to have this say? And do we have a statement of the civil rights of people making up the citizenry of Australia? No, we don't. Mm. And why would a republic offer us a better deal than a monarchy presumably run by a distant queen? Yeah, we need to look at all of those things together. As, after all, republic derives from another Latin word, res publicae public matters, mm. immediately therefore pitting it against what may be considered non-public matters and evoking large questions around who is to decide about what's public and what's private. Mm. All things are institutions of the law, the court system, are making a rather busy and often very confusing and sometimes arbitrary and for lawyers rather profitably profitable business out of. Yeah. And I guess do do corporations and those with the most wealth have more influence uh, more influence to protect and expand their own interests? Of course that's a rhetorical question <laughs> because we all know the answer. Uh, the, uh, just look at how real wages and conditions have decreased even while productivity increases and even why with the current job summit people... Um, from the business sector keep talking about how wages shouldn't go up um, without productivity and profits going up. Mm. But we all know 
productivity and profits have been going up right. and wages haven't been keeping up mm-hmm. because workers have lost their bargaining power. Mm, that's right. So, or strength to workers during the current job summit. And, and we know that wealth is being increasingly channeled upwards to those who already have the lion's share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So look at, uh, well, look at the forthcoming tax breaks for the rich, which the Labor government has committed to. Mm. And, and it's off the table with this That's job right. summit, of course. And while our health system's on its knees, and thousands of people are seriously homeless. And the other issue, which actually Howard Zinnor also brought up in that uh, episode I was talking about, he brings up who has the most free speech? Do we all have equal free speech mm. in, a, in our democra- supposedly democratic system. Just look at our mainstream corporate media with its disproportionate ability to influence a mass audience in the interests of keeping the status quo in the interests of those with the most mm. wealth and the highest incomes. So with all this in mind, how can we have true democracy mm with power coming from the people. And I do want to just, before you <laughs> step in, Jacques, I do want to give a plug to 3CR because 3CR's been doing a, um, a great project for about 50 years now to provide that countervailing voice from mm. people who have the least power. And totally contrasting with what you showed me this morning, the Age article, which makes out of strikes oh. a spectre. Oh, it's just unbelievable the, the, sp- the way in which uh, the, the, the journalists have ba- basically been reporting about something uh, which for lots of people is meant to be the start of a new way of, mm. of, of having labor and the owners of, uh, of, of the facilities where labor, where, where workers work uh, to come to some better deals for the first lot. And to exercise some power. So that's, right. that, that's their big headlines is scaremongering on the job summit. That's oh, right. we might have strikes again and workers might pick up their power. <laughs> why, why not talk about the spectre of, uh, of the, the, raise, the rising profits of the owners yeah. or capitalists? So mm. asking for a true participatory and deliberative democracy would require us to rethink the different approaches already at work in participatory decision-making and how they would fit in our Australian realities. I just received a message a few days ago reminding me, or us, of Sherry Arnstein's 1969 eight-rung ladder of the the significant levels of citizen participation in government decision-making. That's about half a century ago during the wild 60s. And probably we should just have a closer look at those discussions mm. again after the nightmare of neoliberalism yeah. seems to fade out of it. It sounds like a good, good for another program, uh, Shark. Why, why don't we do it next week? That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> so we're running out of time yet again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a community announcement, I just have to remind listeners that Borderlands will have its massive book sale, about uh, eight 9,000 books waiting to be bought by you for very, very cheap prices on the 6th, 7th and 8th of uh, October. Mm-hmm. So uh, please do come along to our new place at 30A Pickett Street in Footscray. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get more news out with more details uh, mm-hmm. in later programs. 
Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio and supporting our programme. If you want to send us a message, please email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Our past programmes are available on podcast and the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Meanwhile, please enjoy Let Love Rule by Archie Roach. Overcomes us And we cannot find our way Although we keep on searching For the light of day And we hear the children crying And we don't know what to do Gotta hold on to each other And love will see us through Let love Let it guide us through the night That we may stay together And keep our spirits calm Only fools Will shine You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.